The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers who are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed. To the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Friday, going into July 4th weekend. I got to tell you, my wife, as usual... uh, uh, Kids are coming in, <laughs> and uh, we're going to uh, you know, do it upright and everything, and to remember the freedom that God has given us. The day that we celebrate when you know America actually stood against tyrants, uh, the the day that the, that our forefathers stood against tyrants. So we're going to be celebrating that and remembering God's gift to us of freedom. And uh, even though that is under attack, we still have freedom, guys. It's just we've got to exercise it. I'm not fighting to get my freedom back. I still have it. I didn't lose it. 
The issue is, what are we doing with it? All right. So that's what we encourage here at the Sons of Liberty. If you'd like to check us out online, sonsoflibertyradio.com and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com right now, you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you can scroll down and on the right side of the page, there is a live stream that's going off of one of the many video platforms that we're on. Um, you can catch us on sonsoflibertymedia.com. You can catch us at the top page of beforeitsnews.com. You can also catch us on dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. And you can catch us on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. All one word. Just when you do a search up there, they have a little thing that's a little different. So when you search... It's not like YouTube where it just finds channels and videos. It, if you just do a regular search, you're just going to look at videos. But if you do, if you hit the little arrow there on Rumble on the search bar, it'll change to channels. Just put in Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're going live over there, and uh, you can check us out there. But over at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, click on right side of the page, enlarge it. You can see the faces made for radio right here. Click on the uh, icon, and you can join us in the chat. Got a lot of people in there this morning. Good morning to all you guys. Great to see you as usual. And uh, it's always encouraging when I come in and the people are gathered there and they're already you know, talking amongst themselves. They've made new friends, and, uh, and I think that's great. Right above that is Bradley's show, I'm sorry, from yesterday. You can click on that. He goes live at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, uh, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click on that at that time, and that should be live. Right above that is where you can subscribe to our email newsletter. Now, again, we don't rent your email. We don't sell it to anybody. We don't spam your emails. One email a day from us. All the articles we have at sonslibertymedia.com, me and Bradley put out along with our contributors, and uh, we're grateful for each and every one of those guys who contribute there. If you agree with our message, there's a donate button at the top of the page. You can make a one-time donation, and if you would like to partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty, that is also available at the top of the page. And then finally, our store button. Uh We've got great products in there, and as I told you yesterday, things changed over. On, they change over on Saturday. So <clears throat> if you want to know where you can get deals in the store, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com. Right there when you log in, there's a place where you can put your email. You can get on that list. That comes out once every Saturday, okay, once a week, every Saturday. And in that, you'll not only find out what we're doing um, for that week and maybe what's coming up, and you'll see the pictures of what we do, but you get um, some discounts on some products. So like last week, and I don't know why the images sometimes don't come up in my browser. I think it's a Google, I think it's a Google Chrome problem. I mean, Google Chrome has been having a lot of problems. I just want to chuck it. This was our this was our newest product, Rebellion to Tyrants is Obedience to God t-shirts, 20 bucks. It's got the original seal that was proposed for the United States by Ben Franklin, Rebellion to Tyrants is Obedience to God. Moses and the children of Israel on dry land, Pharaoh and his armies drowned in the sea, and then you've got the fire and the, the pillar of fire and pillar of cloud, you know, straight out of Exodus, right here on the seal that was proposed to be the seal for the United States. It eventually became the personal seal of Thomas Jefferson. And then on the back it says, when the Lord sent Moses to face Pharaoh, saying, let my people go, it was not a request, it was a command, Exodus 9-1 on the sleeve, and uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is, and this is why we call even those who are representatives, kings, presidents, congressmen, whoever, they are subservient to the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. They're subservient to Him. This is why Moses could go in and he said, God said to let my people go. But this week we've got um, a special product. It's called To Spit Against Heaven, 
All right. And in that, you can get, I think it's 20% off. I believe that's what we have it for. If you use the promo code repent, repent in the uh, checkout when you go in there to the store. That's uh, to spit against heaven. And so it pulls the mask off of the homosexual agenda and the fact that they, you know, will pull your hair, slap your face, and then say, I'm the victim, (laughs) you know. So uh, be sure to check those out in our store. And uh, I'll have links up to that in the archive. Again, you can use the promo code REPENT if you want to pick up that DVD now through midnight on Saturday. And then coming up Saturday, we'll have another product, and I'll share those with you uh, as we go along. Now, with that said, we've got a very special guest, and she's been on the show twice. And it's great to see her this morning. I told her I owe her a steak dinner because she got up re- she got up early technically than I did, okay, to be on with us. And we're really grateful for that. Let me give just a little bit of an introduction. I'm not going to read all the things that we, that we read for uh, Dr. Merritt. But she began her medical career at age four, carrying her father's black bag on house calls along the back roads of Iowa. In 1980, she graduated from the University of Rochester School of Medicine and Dentistry in New York, where she was elected to life membership in the Alpha Omega Honor, Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society. Dr. Merritt completed... Um, and orthopedic surgery residency. Boy, my tongue, I don't know what's going on this morning. In the United States Navy and served nine years as a Navy physician and surgeon before returning to Rochester, where she was the only woman to be appointed as the Louis A. Goldstein Fellow of Spinal Surgery. Uh, I want to drop down here to most recent things. Her recent speech at Doctors for Disaster Preparedness on SARS-CoV-2 and the Rise of Medical Technocracy has been widely viewed on YouTube and forwarded on by Dr. Merkula, one of her medical heroes. She's married the proud mother of two sons, one who car- whom carries on the four-generation medical tradition as a general surgeon and the other with a real job (laughs) as an electrical engineer. In her spare time, Dr. Merritt raises chickens, gardens, and enjoys a rural Midwest lifestyle. And it's my privilege to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Dr. Lee Merritt. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Yeah, it's yeah, I know. I, I I really thank you for coming on. You're the one who did the hard work here. Uh, you got up super early. I mean, technically, because we're in two different time zones, you were up earlier than I was, and that's why I kind of I kind of chided her this morning. I kidded her uh, that I owe her a steak dinner because she said, "Oh, I got to drag myself out of." But look, she's all smiles. She's happy to be here and uh, and to present this message. And I think it's because it's a part of who you are that you want the the public to be informed you want to learn correctly you want the 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 public to be informed about what's going on so you said hey let's go on and let's talk about national security issues surrounding all of this stuff that's been going on and why don't we just dive right into that what are some of the the national security issues that you see i mean you've been in the military um you're in you you've been in uh, private practice as well what are some of the national security issues you're seeing that's going on from all the stuff we've seen over the past 14 months, especially concerning the injections that are being given out? Well, I guess that's the big one. Let me just point out that in general, um, when you're dealing with a, you know, when you're dealing with the military, especially the military as a whole, you wouldn't take all your information from one point of intelligence. I mean, you would get information from multiple sources and the military should be involved, not just in, you know, uh, uh, classic warfare on the battlefield, you know, standard, you know, big guys, big guns, you know, that kind of warfare, 
but understanding the next generation warfare, which is uncharacteristic, asymmetric, um, what the what the Chinese have dubbed and we we talk about too is unrestricted warfare, where there's no obviously defined battlefield. The battlefield could be in your backyard, it can be in your brain, um, and it can and it can involve non typical weapons. I mean that's that that is that is what the military planners of the future are looking at. Well, the future is now. And it doesn't appear that our army and our Navy are taking this seriously. I don't know much about what's happening in the Air Force and um, in the Marines. I, and I don't think they're taking the vaccine at the same rate. But the, but the Navy, I, I, I've heard that it's somewhere around 70% vaccinated and that the Army's goal is to have everybody vaccinated by some date, like July 7th or July 12th, something around there. Now, let's just take that point. Why? Well, first of all, why would you get, there were only 20 deaths in the entire military of the United States last year, all services, from COVID. Now, you know, I mean, that's sad. We don't want to lose anybody. But does that justify risking the whole national military on an unproven novel, novel product that's not a vaccine, but a genetic agent that has already proven to be uh, disastrous relative to anything else we've rolled out in terms of damage, both to, not just to old people, uh, you know, myocarditis that's happening is to young people. So the, there's more damage. And I mean, just, just take that one in 28 years of VAERS data, we've had 789 cases and this is of myocarditis of all vaccines. But in the last five months, we've had over 500 CDC certified cases. So we've already had problems with this. It's totally novel, never been used on humans, never really done long-term studies on humans. And our military has somehow decided to give it to everybody. Now, let me just point out the thing that I, I mean, so I woke up in the middle of the night and I suddenly realized that why is there a date? Why do they have to do it by a date? And I thought, hmm, that sounds like a logistics timeline, but we're not going anywhere, are we? Oh, Maybe we're on someone else's logistics timeline. Maybe our invasion has been scheduled. I, you might think I sound crazy, but why would you have a date for all this? And here's, I mean, just little things like in, in um, you know, I was, I was, when I was in the Navy, I was always on Marine, Marine air wings and pilots are the most healthy people. I mean, they're really um, screened. They can't have high blood pressure. They can't have all these different things going on. At least they didn't used to be able to. I mean, they had to be really fit people because they're flying single seat, often combat jets. Well, and, they're, and besides the fact they could be carrying nuclear arms. I mean, those guys are screened. And yet we're giving them a vaccine that has already killed ostensibly four British air pilots. And whether British air admits it or not, we should be cautious when we see these kinds of things happening Amen. the British, even commercial pilots are, are generally in a higher health category than the average citizen in the world so when the military should be watching this and yet i understand from military insiders that the preventive medicine arm is completely vaccinating completely vaccinated and that they're they're all in on this and that they're using the, the justification as the CDC. And that's my point about single point of intelligence. Since when is the CDC, whose mission is not the same as the military, their requirements are not the same, mission is not the same. 
since when is the CDC in the line of chain of command of the Army or the Navy or anything? I just, I'm just dumbfounded about this. I cannot, I cannot tell you how this keeps me awake at night because is nobody paying attention? It, it appears they're not considering this as a bioweapon. And I will tell you, in my opinion, this is absolutely a bioweapon. And, and you're, you're, the, talking uh, about, you're talking about the injection, not the alleged COVID. We're, we're talking about no, the injection. I'm injections. talking about the whole thing. Okay. Let me tell you, we talked, I, in fact, I was on your show one time when Andy Kaufman was on there, Dr. Kaufman. Yes. And, and I, it, initially, I couldn't get my, um, my, my head wrapped around the idea that you had a, sorry, I got an itch, um, that I had uh, my head wrapped around the idea that there were no such things as viruses. But I'm coming closer to his idea. It isn't that there aren't maybe um, things that look like viruses. And maybe there still could be viruses. I don't know. I'm coming closer to that idea. But what I can tell you is you don't need a virus to explain what has happened to us in 2019, 2020, and 2021. We have genetic – we know that there's RNA and DNA in nature. That's not a question. We also know there are things – there are small pieces of DNA and RNA – wrapped in a lipoprotein coat that we see associated with people who have a disease. Now, whether they're viruses or not, whatever name we want to give them, those things exist. And what has happened is we have the ability now as, as researchers, people have the ability to study those things and, and figure out what they are. Look at our, our um, human anatomy and physiology and figure out how to use that, how to create these things to damage us. So what, what do we call a virus? We call it a small amount of genetic material wrapped in a lipoprotein coat that gets into our mucous membranes and ultimately damages in some way. Okay. What would we call a genetic poison? It'd be a small amount of DNA or RNA wrapped in a synthetic lipoprotein coat that somehow gets, in, that gets into our mucous membranes and damages us. In other words, they are identical. And now we got, except we can make these synthetically now. And now we have an entire uh, ability to craft RNA and DNA from scratch. We could completely reproduce the genome of some, some animal, theoretically, if we wanted to. We can stack together these nucleotides, which are the building blocks of your RNA and DNA. And what they've done in these vaccines, but I think what was the actual start of this thing was synthetic RNA or DNA wrapped in a lipoprotein coat that created, that creates the spike protein. So let's back up and talk about what happened when this thing broke out. We had all these symptoms that were kind of, and it, and it did look worse. What happened originally was three cities went down really hard. Wuhan, the area of Lombardy and New York city. Now let's suppose there is no era. Well, let's back up. So when I was graphing this, when this first came out, I started graphing the death per day, and it went up very exponentially. It was really scary, and I heard epidemiologists say, this is the biggest r naught value in, we've ever seen, meaning the number of the percentage of people that one other person infects is the worst that they'd ever seen. So it was highly contagious, looked highly contagious, whatever it was. Well, one of the ways you can get something like that started that makes it look like a highly contagious disease is to spread around a contact poison. And these guys have developed self-disseminating uh, vaccines, okay? They've, de- they've developed a, 
some, this was done in mice in Australia to get rid of the mice. They have developed a, 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 a vaccine that you can give a certain number of mice. It sterilizes them by damaging their ovaries. And then it's, they shed it to other mice, which then sterilizes them. And then they shed it to yet another pass, another mice, another group of mice. So they have mathematical formulas. They know if to, to decrease the mouse population by 50%, we have to sterilize this number of mice. Okay. Now, let's suppose you made the same thing, but it was in fact a, a, a tactile poison, meaning I could touch the surfaces of a keyboard at the Apple store and get contaminated with this stuff. It makes me very sick, depending, and not everybody, but it makes me very sick. And then it goes off and I shed it to other people that get very sick. And then another group that gets very sick. Okay. That was how it started. But then what happened was they didn't need to keep it going because now they've got this whole fear thing set up. They piggyback, they, they let this thing out in the middle of October. By November, it's out and in the nature and it's running around in people and everybody's getting scared. But by then, the normal winter death season, I call it, because we don't know if it's really a viral season, but whatever it is that causes older people and, and infirm to die in the winter, that is already going. Okay, that gets, that's, that's a normal season that begins usually end of September and October. Okay, but by November, it was clearly underway. So then all they had to do was to create a falsified PCR test that convinced everybody that the normal deaths that we get every year were now COVID. And it makes it look like, oh my gosh, we've got this horrible disease. Yeah, it was horrible, but it's getting a little bit better, but it's terrible, 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 and everybody's got to isolate. In other words, you don't need a virus at all. You need a contact pathogen to start it. And it makes more sense, by the way, than the idea of a virus. If this were really, I know something about smallpox. If this were really a highly contagious Whatever smallpox is, if it were like that, which is airborne, that one kills 60% of the people, you know, that get infected. And it spreads like wildfire, not just through one city or one area, but when it used to come out in nature, if that's what it was, it would rip through big cities. It didn't stop. So why didn't Lisbon go down? Why didn't Omaha, Nebraska go down? Why didn't uh, Ankeny, New York go down? No, it was just really three cities and then the whole curve changed into a normal viral curve. The only thing that hid that fact was an artificially generated PCR test. Now, there's where the, it's the PCR test that is the key to how people should think about this. There are only two worldviews. The PCR test was not meant to be a diagnostic test. I'll give them that. But, but basically, our lab people, when they're given a new test, we have lab managers that are highly trained professionals. They know how to set up a test. They know how to train their staff. They know how to make sure that the test is standardized so it doesn't give you a lot of false positives and false negatives. But what happened in 2020? Absolutely every lab manager around the world, basically, in any lab of any size, did the test wrong. Now, they were. I looked at the test instructions from Thermo Fisher. It's just one of the manufacturers. There are multiple manufacturers, but it, but it tells you exactly how to do the test. It says cycle it 20 to 30 times at the most 25 to 35 times. If you go over that, you will get a lot of false positives. And, and as Michael Yaden said, possibly 90% false positives. Yep. So you have to, so there's one of two worldviews possible here. Either you believe that spontaneously every lab manager in the world had a blivet, had a brain fart of some sort, and didn't know how to do his job suddenly, couldn't set up the test, 
And they all aired on the same way by cycling a test at 40 to 45 cycles to give 90% false positives. They all did that. And it was just spontaneous. It was an accident. It was a group psychosis. You either believe that or you have to believe they were given orders to do that by some higher power. Some higher group of people or persons told them to cycle the tests at 40 to 45 cycles. Now, which one seems more probable? I don't believe in the group psychosis theory. But if you believe that they were given orders to do that, then by definition, we have a conspiracy. Someone has chosen to falsify the tests and to spread this all around the world for the purposes of inflating the numbers and harming us. It's the only other explanation. And once you come to that conclusion, then you have to say, well, it's look, you know, then then what's what's the motive? Are we at war? We can talk about motive, but there's clearly something planned that happened. And that's what I think happened. I don't think so. I think. And then what the point was of all this was to create a, a fear that then they added confusion to by, you know, the whole thing with the confusion about the masks and they constantly changed their mind about things. When you add fear and confusion, you get um, Stockholm syndrome. We have a whole now world full of Stockholm syndrome people that are willing to do anything to get out of that anxiety zone, including running to take a vaccine they know nothing about that really isn't a vaccine. Yeah, you know, Doctor Merritt, one of the what you're saying the there. Yeah, what you're saying there about the fear and the confusion. You know, we come from a biblical worldview here, and the the author of confusion is not God. The 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 scriptures state real clearly that that's not from God. We know that comes from our enemy, Satan, and from his demonic forces. That I, I don't think there's any question in our listeners' mind. Well, there may be some for some. But uh, in my mind, there's no question as to who brings that about, and he uses men to do that. Well, that's now, what I was going to say. Yeah, but he uses men to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. And, and Dr. Fauci was the doctor of confusion, in addition to being the bag man. Now, let me get to this whole point about them suddenly debating whether or not Wuhan you know, happened the way, blah, 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 blah. So I believe that the, 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 the same bioweapon that was made as the contact pathogen was also what's in the vaccine because both of them give you, in fact, we ought to quit talking about the very, there's, there's not, you know, when we talk about COVID and then shedding and then uh, the vaccine, all of them give you spike protein syndrome, okay? It doesn't take a virus to create COVID or the symptoms of COVID. What it, create, what it takes is the S1 subunit of the spike protein. Okay, and that was and that was clearly modified in a lab. We knew that from I knew that from February of 2020 just by looking at Prashant Pradham's work. Um, These guys, he's he was a senior geneticist of IBM. He looked at the spike protein and he said, "Oh, we can clearly see where this has been genetically modified." And they left behind, I think they call it the PN shuttle gene. I'm not sure, but they said this is a this is a hallmark of the Wuhan lab. Well, I knew he was right because they immediately forced him to withdraw the paper and they censored them and they, and they censored um, uh, Zero Hedge. They deplatformed Zero Hedge just for reporting on it. When you have that kind of a reaction, it suggests that there's something we don't, they don't want us to look at. And that was the fact it was a bioweapon. So I've been saying that since 2020, couldn't get any, February of 2020, couldn't get anybody to, to buy into it. And now suddenly they're saying, they're saying the same thing. The, I think the intelligence services who write our news are getting all these people, the toadies, to say the same news plan. And that is, oh, we didn't know that that Tony Fauci funded all this. Well, yes, you did. Again, I found this in February of 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was easy. You, it, you looked on the NIH website. It wasn't hard to find this stuff. You know, Eco Alliance, you could find all this stuff. So the, the, these newscasters that are supposed to be investigative journalists 
Um, you know, my joke is this is just like the Queen of England who says, oh, I didn't know that Jimmy Savile was a pedophile. Well, of course you did because MI5 knew, <laughs> MI6 knew, Scotland Yard embedded him, and he was your son's best friend. So, yes, this is the same kind of denial. But so who is Tony Fauci? The, the reason they're telling it to you now, the reason they're throwing you under the bus is, is because – they don't want you to look at the real people perpetrating this. It's not Tony Fauci's money. He didn't fund the Wuhan lab. That you know, the words are important, and they're always saying, "Well, Tony Fauci funded the Wuhan lab." No, other people funneled money through different organizations down into the NIH so that Tony Fauci could fund it out. Okay, over the course of his career in the NIH of forty years. He's for $800 billion. He's, he's, he's gone across his desk. Essentially, he's allocated. Who has that allocation authority? You know, so what these guys did is fact, they, they realized the way to take down the, the America and essentially the, the English speaking peoples and the Western civilization is through public health. They couldn't come here and storm our beaches, but they could take us down through public health. And they funded Tony Fauci, who then put all this funding out like the bag man working for the mob guy, okay? It's not his money. He takes the boss's money. He funds it out to all these big hospitals, these research facilities all over the country over 40 years and gets them hooked on the money. They overbuild. Now they're stuck. If they don't take, if they don't get NIH funding, they go down. So when Tony Fauci says, you will talk about remdesivir, do not mention hydroxychloroquine. And I can't prove he said that, but I suspect that's what's going on. Because that's what the bag man does. Gives the money to the capos and then makes sure they stay in line with what the bomb boss wants them to do. And what they wanted you to do this time was to not treat people appropriately, to let people die, to make this scary so everybody would run and get a vaccine. And that's exactly what the hospitals did. And if they didn't do it, they'd have their money withdrawn. That is the takedown. Now, the PSYOP that's still going on, you notice they always connect, oh, Tony Fauci, bad. Wuhan lab leak, Tony Fauci bad, Wuhan lab leak, those two words. So Tony Fauci bad, the, the point there is you're not supposed to look higher for the real perpetrators. Lab leak, leak implies an accident. Okay, don't look at a purposeful militarized bioweapon. Right. So that's what's going on here. And why is this important? Because if you don't realize you're in the middle of a war, you're going to be a casualty, just like, yep. you know, Beirut and... Uh, uh, Sarajevo. Remember, those are world-class cities one day, and the next day they had bombs dropping on neighborhoods and shells flying around and, and people getting shot. So if you realized what was going on ahead of time, you had time to plan. You might arm up and become part of a militia. At least you'll be a survivor. But if you have no situational awareness, if you still are you know, fat, dumb, and happy, and you think the world hasn't changed, and it's just like it was last week, well, then you're going to walk out the front of your house and possibly have a stray bullet hit you. That is what's happening. People are not, people cannot wrap their head around such a big thing. We've never had a war on our shores. They cannot wrap their head around the fact we're being attacked. So they think, oh, the government, oh, we always get our flu shots. We always get our children vaccinated. We've done it for decades. What's different about this? Oh, they tell me to go get this vaccine. I'll go get the vaccine. And look at what is happening. Okay. I mean, people who would normally, the abnormality of this, if you take a step back, is profound. People that wouldn't buy the first edition of a new car line are running out to get this vaccine, this, this non-vaccine genetic agent that they know nothing about. And, and, and then it brings me to the doctors. The doctors are, are now culpable because they are recommending something they really know nothing about. 
How many doctors have looked at theirs? How many doctors have actually read the FDA literature on the EUA, the, the, the experimental use authorization or emergency use authorization? Very, very, very few. How many people have looked into the non, you know, thank God for you guys, the alternative media. You, they're getting, most doctors are getting their information from ABC News. And ABC News, you know, just tells you their idea of educating the people was they had the Pfizer vice president on to say it's 95% effective. What? You know? Well, no, let, no can, can, let me jump in here just a second. You mentioned yeah. VAERS. Uh, this was the latest one that I that I put out for yesterday, and I think it's just a couple of days behind. And even the VAERS report, I think, is about three months behind, and it only gives us one percent, a roughly one percent of the reality of what's going on. So the and I think it was Dr. Peter McCullough who came out and said he had a CDC whistleblower tell him there are at least fifty thousand Americans dead after taking this shot. And it was when we had Del Bigtree on, there was the issue of you know this thing could be inflated a hundred times what it is right. and uh, so so that's there but we we've got a question in here uh Dr. Merritt and um just it's interesting because you were kind of piggybacking on Michael Peruca who was on on Tuesday he was a 2004 presidential candidate he was on Tuesday with us and he was talking about the the cultural war we've been at and he said what would my enemies do to me if they were willing to destroy me well they would they would be happy for us to kill our children. Uh, they would be happy for us to be enslaved to government funding. They would uh, they would try to demoralize us through you know LGBTQ RSTV WXYZ kind of indoctrination. They would take our kids in the schools and they would indoctrinate them with their kind of thinking. And he says, and people don't even realize they're at war. So I think it's I think that part is very similar to what you're saying here. People think, well, this is just a sickness, or even it just you know. Mysteriously, the virus slapped on a camo trench coat and some glasses and a hat and sneaked out somewhere, which is I, I did. Nobody has any evidence of any of that kind of stuff. So here's a, here. There's a question in the chat for you. And this comes from one of our nurses. She's a uh, she's also a contributor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. She says, can you ask Dr. Merritt of the covid injection? I think she meant if the covid injection hijacks the genes TDP 43 and FUS. I don't know any of this stuff to make the protein. And if it does, do those genes still perform their regular function, such as DNA repair, or if the injection stops the normal function of those genes? I have no what that. Can you break this down for people who don't know what any of that okay, stuff well, means? Well, you know, and I'm going to write that down and look. You know, I'm not that familiar with those particular uh, genetic sequences and what that means. However, I think I get the point what she's making is they told us that the, the, the people that the people that made these. They, they came out and said, look, part of what we're giving you has to dampen down your natural immune system, your innate immune system, in order for you not to reject the vaccine. Okay. Now, that may have been going on for a long time. But what we're seeing is, and, and we know that's also happening from the fact that um, people who could give convalescent plasma, I mean, first of all, it is, the, the risk-benefit analysis here is not, a, not, not, not happening. If you've had COVID, you're immune. There's zero benefit to you and all risk to take the vaccine. That's one of the things we're supposed to do in medicine. First, do no harm. And that, and you look at risk-benefit analysis on everything. I mean, if your leg, if, you know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. If you come to me to have your leg fixed and it's not broken, I would be stupid for me to open it up and put a plate on it, right? And that's essentially what we're doing here when we're giving people a, quote, 
genetic agent, a vaccine, quote, you know, to genetic agent to give you immunity to COVID when you already have immunity to COVID. There's no reason to be doing this. Yeah. But we know that when you have immunity and you have antibodies, you can donate your convalescent plasma to help other people because these are apparently antibodies to the spike protein, which can help. Okay. Maybe that can help. But now you can't. If you take the vaccine, you cannot give plasma because guess what? It destroys your own natural antibodies. So we know that what they said is true, that this, this is programmed to dumb down your innate immune system, which is much improved. Your own immune system working properly is so much better than vaccines on all these diseases. You know, so, um, so yeah, it, it definitely does that. And the other point I'm going to say here is, we are seeing lots of tumors crop up. Now, we we have a we have kind of a false sense of what cancer is, I think. And we were kind of there are people that know what it that it's a false narrative about that it's DNA damage. It really we have little incipient cancers that probably crop up all over the place all the time, but your immune system sees them and wipes them out. And we've just taken that away. And I have insiders from universities, from all sorts of different areas that are letting me know now that they're seeing weird cancers, things they haven't seen more than a couple in their whole career. And now they've seen, you know, 30 in the last few months. So um, we're seeing tumors, brain tumors are a big one. Well, now, Dr. Merritt, what, this was something I think Dr. Sherry Tenpenny brought up too was, and, and Kate Shimrani, who comes on every Saturday uh, with us here, that this is something they were talking about. They were talking about it turning off I don't know, receptors or whatever that allow for cancer to grow in your body right. uh, rather and than attacking. that might be it. what she's saying. I don't know if she wants to clarify, but that's, that may be the, the nurse's point is okay. that those are the, those are the, the other, the other thing we know too, by the way, is that there's a sequence or two in there that are associated with prion disease. Now what's a prion you know, the, the, the long-term, see, this is the problem is too. We don't know the long-term effect here. And I can tell you from my own experience and from people I've taken care of, there really is a long haul syndrome where some people just, they just get rid of this. They get, they apparently just flush the spike protein from their system and they move on. And other people are having recurrences or a long drawn out thing that they're not completely over it for a long time. And it, it may be from lingering of the spike protein. Now, in favor of that is the fact that, and the shedding, and that goes along with the shedding too. In favor of that is that after you've had the vaccine, you know, the vaccine essentially is a path. It makes you into a pathogen producer. Just so everybody understands, the vaccine doesn't give you a dead piece of the virus. And, oh, by the way, in, in ter terms of us being invaded <laughs> uh, on boots on the ground, which wars tend to end up with, with boots on the ground kind of problems. The Chinese and the Russians are the two nations not taking these genetic altering vaccines. They are taking classic dead viral vaccines. Okay, so theirs is a, whether it's naturally produced or not virus, it's a, it's a dead form of this that doesn't reproduce, but just presents the antigen to you. It's not producing, it's not an RNA or DNA vaccine. So we're the only ones taking this high risk thing. Why is that? Yeah. Okay. Well, but, let, let me let me interrupt you here because you you talked about the invasion, and I think this is some of the things that we're going to talk about here in the in the in the latter part of the show. But I kind of want to bring this back to a, a biblical worldview. You know, we've talked here at the Sons of Liberty about what God says He will. You know how He will bless a people who will obey Him, who will obey His commands. Deuteronomy uh, twenty-eight verses one to twelve, and then following that, He says. 
you know, for like 60-something, uh, the uh, through the rest of the chapter, which is 60-something verses, he tells about all of the things that's going to come upon them. And boy, are we seeing that. Let me give you an example, and I, I just want you to kind of comment, because you and I were talking a little bit before. I was kind of excited about some of the stuff that you were talking about, because I think it's very relevant for the people to consider what God has said himself. This is what he says, beginning in verse uh, 47. He says, Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shalt thou serve thine enemies, which the Lord shall send against thee in hunger, and in thirst and nakedness and in want of all things and he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he have destroyed thee the Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far from the end of the earth as swift as the eagle flieth a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand a nation of fierce countenance which shall not regard the person of the old nor show favor to the young, and he shall eat the fruit of thy cattle, the fruit of the land, until thou be destroyed, which also shall not leave thee either corn, wine, or oil, or the increase of thy kind, or flocks of thy sheep, until he have destroyed thee, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, until thy high and fenced walls come down, wherein thou trusted thou, uh, throughout all the land, and he shall besiege thee in all thy gates, throughout all the land which the Lord thy God has given thee, and thou shalt eat the fruit of thy own own body. Now, the flesh of the sons and daughters and all that. All of this happened to Israel in 70 AD. God used the Roman army, called them his army. He brought them against Israel. He utterly destroyed them because they had rejected the Messiah. They had turned their back on him. They were not obeying him. And he said, okay, your blessings are becoming your cursing, and I'm going to bring this army in to utterly destroy you. And I think he does that with nations because nations are covenanted with one another. And America has been blessed like no nation on the face of the planet uh, outside of Old Testament Israel when it was instituted. And America has constantly turned its back on God, and I, I, I don't believe God has changed in the way he deals with man. And you were talking before, in fact, this was what sparked us having this show today when uh, you and I were talking on the phone the other day about you know this national security issue. So what's going on? You mentioned the military being uh, you know injected, we keep using that term vaccine, injected by a certain date. And, you know, your thought is invasion. You said it a minute ago, but you didn't elaborate on some of that as to to what your thinking is in that and whatever kind of data you may have to uh, back that up. Do you want to speak to that just a bit? Well, yeah. And I mean, this is not just me talking about, I mean, it's, I guess it's the, I'm the only one I hear that talks about an invasion of America now, but I guess there's probably somebody out there thinking about this. But but let's just, just talk what the Chinese have said. There were these two colonels in 1999, Zhao and Wang, and they wrote a book called Unrestricted Warfare. And it really does talk about what we are seeing. It says, you know, and it, and it makes the point that not everybody has the money of a superpower. They can't afford superpower weapons. But even if they could, it's not the, it's not the war of tomorrow. They were speaking in 1999. Tomorrow is now today. The war of tomorrow, they said, will be, multi, will be unrestricted, meaning there's no holds barred. Everything can be used as a weapon. And, and, and um, they have a quote, which is something to the effect that one day, some, yeah, there it is. Someday um, people will awaken to discover that everyday items, that, that, that kinder and gentler everyday items will suddenly have taken on very lethal characteristics. And that is really what we are seeing here. So let's consider that in the term of a contact bioweapon, okay? 
Now, we also know historically in 1970s, we signed, Nixon signed the Bioweapons Treaty, and presumably we shut down our, our I mean, I have ex-CIA friends that claim we did, in fact, shut down the, the uh, you know, USAMRID and the other bioweapons labs that were doing offensive bioweapons research. Whether we did or not, at least, at least what happened is we know the Soviets didn't honor the treaty. They turned right around and made the biggest bioweapons program known to mankind with tons of India 11 smallpox and bats. And we had, you know, defectors like um, Alabechikov, Ken Alabek, he goes by, that came over this country and told us all about it. And um, we're not very good at doing inspections and finding anything when it comes to bioweapons labs because they look just like every other medical lab. They can look just like every, one egg full of smallpox could kill 60% of the whole world. You cannot you cannot fathom that you can't look at it and see oh, how dangerous it is, you know? So um, what, what would you have done? I mean, if you're the military planners back then looking at bioweapons, well, one of the, one of the ways to handle that is okay. Um, and I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm not advocating this. I'm just saying this is the real world that when you know that the Soviets are making this huge bioweapons program and you've actually witnessed things like nose cone cooling and reentry um, vehicles from uh, missiles. Well, there's only one reason for nose cone cooling and that's biologics. So, so we knew they were thinking about it. We knew they had the, the capacity and that they were thinking about spreading it. So what would you do? Well, it turns out that in the eighties and nineties, there was a project coast in Africa. It was a South African defense force and they were looking at bioweapons to diminish the black population in South Africa. It was a depopulation bioweapon they were after. And they claim that we had, that there were, even though um, the guy that was in head, a head, the head guy was a subsequent cardiologist out in private practice, but he was uh, Wouter Basson, and he, or however it's pronounced, and he was, um, it was, it was um, I think it was 17th Med Battalion or whatever, and they were looking at all this stuff. And, and the, a lot of this came out through the Desmond Tutu's um, Truth and Reconciliation meetings, uh, but it's been... That, those, that, that information is pretty well locked down. You can't get a lot of it now. But what you can learn, you can go back in time and you can look at some of the reports that came out at the time, like in, in late press and when, when the, when the uh, news actually did report some things. And they kind of go over what the testimony was. And, one, and subsequently, one of the, a lot of people are dead around that. But one of the guys who isn't said he remembers a guy named Larry Ford. Larry Ford would come over from Los Angeles. And Larry Ford, to all outward appearances, was just a standard uh, OBGYN doctor in L.A. But he would go back and forth to South Africa carrying these highly pathogenic specimens of altered things like altered cholera and other things that they thought might be useful to create what they were calling the black bomb. In other words, a bioweapon against the black population. And not only that, he this one guy said, we called it Project Larry. And he said, one day they taught us how to how to turn everyday household items into, into bioweapons, which sounds like they're talking about spreading things on them, you know? And that sounds like what the Chinese are talking about when they say these kinder and gentler weapons that, that they will turn everyday items suddenly that ones were once kind and gentle would become, would become objects of destruction. You know, that, and so, so I'm just saying other, we've heard from this, and I would, we are, we have, we have all these military think tanks. We have the war colleges. We have, you know, the, the think tanks that are committees, subcommittees of the, of the, uh, 
the Congress, like I was on at one time, they have they have all these things. Who's not thinking about this? And I will tell you, it is true in the military medicine realm that medicine tends to get stovepiped. They tend they they love you guys during wartime to come and help save lives, but during peacetime, all you do is take like you're an extra officer that takes away from a ship driver in the navy, for example. So they don't really like you guys very. You know, they don't really. Uh, value the military medical society until they're at war and it's, it's, it's the, they're, they're actually doing things that are obvious right but they should and the problem is they're not they're not thinking about this I think if they are so there's either there again there's two worldviews either they're not really considering this as a potential in spite of the history and in spite of all the things we know or they are or they've been they've been captured I asked general McInerney has our general staff been completely captured? What's going on? You know, and I and I I don't get it. I mean, I don't get why they're not they're not doing something and and doing something now. Now, I would like to say, well, maybe they're giving our military a different vaccination, just like the Chinese and the and the Russians. Maybe we're getting something that really is saline or it's whatever. But that's not true because we are seeing already a lot of um, young people complaining of chest pain. They've got myocarditis, brain tumors. We're seeing it happen. So unfortunately, they're being damaged. So if I were, I don't, you know, just just reasonably thinking, if I were a, a, a military that didn't have the military might of America and I wanted to do a land invasion, you know, we are one of my my ex-husband who was a retired, who's now a retired, retired Marine colonel, but he, he had this discussion with me one time about principles of warfare when he was at the war college or after he'd been at the war college. And he said to me, he said, ultimately it comes down to calories. We are one of the few nations that can feed our people. We are totally self-sufficient if cut off from the world, but China is not. And so land is a prized commodity. What are we seeing? We're seeing the Chinese buy up our land. That's right. And, and farm our land, even if they just lease it. Even colonize in certain, certain areas. Even colonizing in certain areas, and and look at the Roman Empire. Wasn't that the first step until the Visigoths came across the border yep. and the Ostrogoths? I mean, they moved in. They become they became part of us, kind of in a way. You know, they became part of a part of the Romans in kind of a way. They 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 started taking up the jobs that Romans didn't want. They even started defending. They started defending the border. You know, their own border against their own people. So that didn't work out well. But ultimately, it ended up in an invasion. And whether it happens now or later, that seems to be where we're going, in my opinion, just historically. Yeah, Dr. Dr. Merritt, let me, let me interject we're, here. Um, we're, we're, we got about four minutes here. So do you, can you hang on with us a little bit? I mean, you're already sure. up anyway. I already got to buy a steak dinner and everything. So Yeah, yeah, you already owe me. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, we'll do, so make it worthwhile. Yeah, no, we'll do that. Start. One of the things I want to get into, if we can have a couple of minutes before the end of the show part, the radio show part, is, you know, you and I were talking about this. Um, you know, I use the term Frankenscience. Uh, some of the things that, that we've heard that's come out of China, and uh, I mean, it almost sounds very Nazi-esque, if you will. And I've heard that people have said, I've heard that people have said that uh, China missed the, I guess it's the fascist stage before they go to communism, uh, or, or no, they, they got the fascist stage or something like that. Anyway, the point is, it sounds very Nazi-esque what they're, what they're doing over there. We've heard, you know, the, the talk of trying to create super soldiers. You were talking about using and creating, you know, things 
not really out of nothing, but we, we do use things to do it, but just almost monster-like, if you will. I mean, it really is is very a bizarre thing that you were talking about before. Can you kind of take a couple well, of minutes, because that's all we have, and, and kind of elaborate I mean, sad, a little bit on that? Sadly, we, I mean, we can actually create life now. I mean, Craig Ventner showed he created an artificial cell. And what is, what is it, what do you need? You need DNA and, and you need uh, the bright proteins and you, you need a, a, a lipoprotein coat and you can create things. And so everything, when they decon, when they, when they, we can reverse engineer things. So if I know the genome for the spike protein, how did they make the vaccine? They reverse engineered DNA or RNA that would then produce that spike protein. So we can now create it. And the only difference is, They've made it so that in this particular case, for example, they didn't use standard nucleotides. They substituted a couple synthetic nucleotides. So they're not, we're not really producing the exact uh, virus or the exact DNA or the exact spike protein in nature. We're producing what we want and you can produce what you want. I mean, sadly we can do that now. And so there's, there's a potential, you know, everything's, has a potential. It's like the nuclear energy potential for good, potential for evil, and that's where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 possible to create lots of things. Who knows what they're really doing? In, in, you know, and what we're really doing. I would I would make the point that our own by our own pharmaceutical companies have probably been involved big time in this. Oh yeah, um, there's no doubt. There's no there there's no doubt. You don't get. Uh, the people's representatives to give those guys immunity from their product. Nowhere else do we do that. And yet they're given full immunity. They can put in those things, whatever they want. They can. And and I got to tell you, I believe the mockingbird media and the lying politicians who've been pimping this stuff out, who've been bought off by these big pharma companies who keep telling everybody this is safe. And and the CDC is the worst. They even put out the VAERS report here. The, let me let me hit this real quick, and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to tell about what's going on. They put out the VARES report, and the first thing they always say is, what you need to know is it's safe and effective. It's nothing of the sort. Dr. Merritt, you got about 30 seconds. Tell people where they can find out more about you. Oh, that's a talking point. It's safe and effective. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I have a website, uh, the themedicalrebel.com. It's three words, themedicalrebel.com. We do a um, Exit the Biomatrix podcast every Monday night at 7 o'clock Central. Nice. And uh, I try to put up latest information up there. Um, you know, our our uh, our video will go up there. So okay, that's what we, and we have a shop. We can always we appreciate anybody contributing. You know, I was cancel cultured over this, so we we appreciate the contributions by people coming to the shop and at least getting their supplements that they they need Amen. to be healthy. From All us. right. Guys, listening by Red State Talk Radio, jump over to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Join us for the rest of the show. 8 a.m. tomorrow, we'll be back with Kate Shimerani. Don't miss Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern. See ya. Okay, we're going to hang over here with a little bit for, uh, we're going to, my tongue is just all twisted this morning. We're going to hang over a little bit here with Dr. Merritt. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's, uh, it's great to have guests on like yourself that I can just ask a question and you can just, you're like a information dump truck. You back up and you just dump it out there. And I'm sure people have to watch the video two or three times to get some of the stuff that you're saying. But we're hitting on some of this stuff, national security. Now, you've mentioned the invasion thing. Let's talk about some of the stuff that, that we know is going on. Uh, it came out just a couple of weeks ago. We had the uh, the four British airway pilots had taken their, their injection. 
they're now dead. Of course, British Airways said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. Those things are safe and effective. This, had, this didn't have anything to do with that. And I've got to tell you, the lies that people come up with to try to cover up what's so obvi- what should be so obvious to anybody paying attention to any of this is incredible to me. What is the issue with pilots? Because I've heard you get that injection, several of these things, well, I think all of them have something in them that is causing these blood clots. And when you're going up 30, 40,000 feet, whatever the case is that they fly, that tends to make that even worse. What's going on there? And it and that seems to me to be a huge national security issue because you have that going on with a stewardess. It's one thing. She's not flying the plane. You have it going on with a pilot and or, or two pilots, and let's say it hits them simultaneously. Well, I mean, we're looking at some serious destruction that can happen here. What's your view on, on those things that are going on in, in that scenario? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that they always now designate a non-vaccinated pilot to be in the cockpit. I mean, <laughs> this is a problem. You know, the, the British Airlines denying this, you know, I get it because they're now responsible. I mean, they don't want to have in public, they don't want to admit the responsibility. It's, it's, it's immoral, but nonetheless, they're doing it. But it doesn't mean it's not real because the chance of four young pilots dying within a week is statistically zero. That's right. I mean, that the, the statistics on that, that's never happened. And I think there might be another one. Um, and I've heard some Delta issues. I don't know. We are, that's, that's, they're sneaking out some rumors, but we don't know for sure. But we're going to see more because here's the problem. We just on the, even if you're not in an airplane, when you're on the level, look at all the things we're seeing about bleeding and thrombosis from these vaccines. It is a high, I, I wrote a paper that was in the New American about this, mostly about the bleeding issue, but it's the flip side of the same coin. This is damaging your endothelium. It's damaging your platelets. It's doing something to your, uh, your, your system. And, you know, we're seeing people just walking along the street getting a, a brain clot. Cavernous sinus thrombosis is one of these very rare things that I've never actually seen a patient with in my entire career. And, I, and I, it's something neurosurgeons see and ICU guys see, but I've never seen one. But I hung out with those guys for most of my career, so it's still kind of weird I've never seen one. But if you look in the VAERS and you look at year after year after year of cavernous sinus thrombosis from all vaccines put together, it's things like zero, 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 one, zero, zero, zero. And this year so far, it's over 40 just in America. That's just, just what's been wow. reported. So, so it, and, that, and by the way, you can do that for any diagnosis. You do that for um, a stroke. You do that for thrombocytopenia. Uh, you do that for miscarriages, you do that for anything you want, and it will give you that kind of an appearance, zero or 10, 20, two, five, 2,000, you know, that kind of thing. So they just, anybody looking at this has got to realize, they always disregard the bears and saying, well, that's not professionals putting it in. Doesn't matter. The idea is to see trends and it's apples to apples. So it was the same non-professionals putting it in in the previous years too. Why does it suddenly go up? Because things are happening. Okay. But now, so, so we know that people on the level are having increased risk of of clotting from this for a lot of reasons, probably. Well, when you go up into an airplane, we know that even before all this came out, if you, if you ride in an airplane, every, every time you take like a long flight, you're at more risk of developing a blood clot in your legs. that could go to your lungs and kill you than if you weren't in an airplane. And that's two degrees, same in a car. If you're sitting for a long period of time immobile, you're at risk of having a blood clot. So, you know, it's kind of been the, 
one of the things people have said in the past, maybe you should take a baby aspirin before you get on a plane. And this was like 10 years ago. It had nothing to do with this. So we all, so now we have a vaccine that increases the risk of clotting. You have a, an activity that increases the risk of clotting. And when you put them together, we're seeing enough patients, people, non-pilots going up into the aircraft and creating a problem for the flight crew because they get a blood clot and get sick or die in the plane, apparently, because now the airlines are coming out saying, if you've been recently vaccinated, please don't get on the plane. Don't fly. You know, wait, wait a while until after your vaccine has has been around for a while and then get on the plane. So they recognize the problem and yet they're still vaccinating their pilots. So the pilots, and I don't think it's the pressure issue because keep in mind, even though we might be up at 30,000 feet in these jets or 20, 30,000 feet, it's pressurized to at least 10,000 feet. I mean, it's not completely normal, but it's slightly lower pressure. That by itself, I don't know how it would cause clotting. I don't think that's the issue. The issue is non-mobility. Now, the pilots can get up and move a little bit in those cockpits, but they tend to be focused and probably don't move as much, certainly not as much as they would on the ground, you know, like you're walking around in normal life. Now, let's magnify that. Let's put you in a combat jet, you know, a Harrier or a, the, the Joint Strike Fighter or one of these one of these um, single seat jets that, or whatever that people are flying or a helicopter. Okay. Even with two, two pilots, you don't get up and move around in those things. Generally. I mean, you can't. And these guys will do these trans packs and these things where they're flying nine hours. You know, they've got piddle packs. I mean, they can't even pee. They can't even go to the bathroom. There is no bathroom. They, they have to just pee in their seat. And they've got these special ways of doing it. So, I mean, they're immobile and, they're in these multi-bazillion dollar aircraft by themselves. You want them to have a clot? I mean, why are we vaccinating these people? And second thing to point out is that, again, these are highly screened people that are very healthy. They didn't die without the vaccine last year, number one. Number two, there was a policy in the past, which I think is still there, that you don't give a newly, you know, if a new drug comes out on the market, you don't give it to pilots because of their unique situation, you cannot afford to have an un, a heretofore unrecognized complication happen when they're up in midair. Okay. So that's, that's the issue. And I, I think the fact that they're, they're violating their own longstanding safety procedures and, and requirements for pilots, what's going on here? Well, Dr. Merritt, it, they're, they're, but they're doing it with the public too. And, you know, I keep going yeah. back to, the whole Nuremberg Code. I mean, this these kind of things were going on in Germany. This is where the medical industry basically was was taken over, and they were doing this to the people anyway. And when I look at what they do with the public, it's like, is anybody having informed consent? I no. mean, are they are they being presented with here's the four hundred something adverse effect this this shot can give you, and we got to read those off so that you know what they are. Here's here's what it, it's actually doing to you. Here's the ingredients that's in it, and here's what that means. I, I know they're not telling people this because, my goodness, I was in a Walmart, uh, it's been a while, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, and I, I hear coming over the thing, hey, you can come up here to our blah, blah, our pharmacy, and you can get your COVID you know, vaccine, blah, 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 and I'm sitting here going, you're going to go get this experimental shot in a Walmart. Uh, right. With by people, the, by the way, that, yeah. and I've heard this from people that work in these places, that they have really very little training. They had to be, they had to yeah. go, the, the one guy said he had to go read the book on how to do an injection. 
he's not a nurse or a doctor or anything. He's just somebody that works in Walmart. So, I mean, this is unbelievable. So I'm sure he can't resuscitate you if you have a problem. Okay. And these things have 10 times the risk of anaphylaxis that other vaccines. Yeah. And they're supposed to keep them there for like half an hour, right? Because of the anaphylaxis. And there's a reason for that because now we have what they call vaccinants. You know, people are having automobile accidents. They get in, they get the vaccine. They got right in their car. They started driving and had a problem. Okay. So now they want you to stay there for a while before you can drive away. Well, that presumes that there's somebody there that can help you if you code or if you have a, a, an event of some sort. And that's probably not true. And, and you're right. And, and let's just go back to what you said about the Nuremberg Code. Now, trust me, it wasn't just the Germans. Unfortunately, we were doing the same things to a lesser degree. Yep, we, we just were. didn't have death camps, so it wasn't so obvious. Yep. But we, and even after World War II, we experimented on prisoners. We're, we've been guilty of this, too. But the point being is that the, the, the doctors, there were only seven doctors hung after the doctor's trial at Nuremberg, but they were not hung because they committed murder. They didn't murder anybody directly. They were hung because they conspired. Remember, we don't like to use that term. Oh, there's no such thing as conspiracy. No, they were hung because the charge was conspiracy to commit mass murder. And they're real, you know, like Carl Brandt, who was the head of the German uh, medical uh, branch, he actually was a good guy who was a, 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 he was a trauma surgeon, did spine surgery like me. That's how I got interested in reading about him. And he, unlike so many uh, high-level bureaucrats, he was not just a do-nothing guy. He was one of the real competent technocrats, they called them, that would go out. And when he was on the Eastern Front and he saw they were short of surgeons, he wasn't just pointing and telling people what to do. He just rolled up his sleeves and started operating and tried to save people's lives of the German soldiers. Well, you know, the problem is that because he was the titular head of the government bureau that ran medicine, that he was overseeing in, in, in practice, and you know, the experiments that were being done at Auschwitz and Buchenwald and these places. So they, they were, they were convicted of experiment of forcing people to be experimented on against their will, coercing people. And it was coercion. It wasn't just force. It was co- They called it coercion. Coercing, coercing people to be, uh, to be experimented upon and without their informed consent. Now, what are we doing today? Okay, we have a huge worldwide experiment of these, these vaccines. They're not approved. They are an experiment. They admit they're an experiment. And so when you go to get this, you are being told, oh, if you don't get, the, if you don't get this, you can't work in the airlines. That's coercion. If you don't work, get this, you can't be a nurse. That's coercion. Well, my favorite, which is just immoral to the nth degree, that they're enticing kitties at the the Henry Dorley Zoo by offering them free train rides if they have a a vaccine. You know, even giving people a donut it's at Krispy Kreme, it sounds kind of crazy. My favorite is offering free lap dances to vaccinated people. I, I, I was going to say, I was going to say, mean, we covered, yeah, I was going to say we covered that. I think it wasn't just that. It was an entire package. They said it was valued at like five grand to go do that. And then, then you get uh, the people over here in Charlotte. I, I told the audience uh, probably two months ago, I was out, I was listening to the, the local station in Charlotte or that comes out of Charlotte, and they were saying the numbers were so low and they had so much of this this material they want to inject you with 
that what they were doing was they were going to actually be violating. There was some kind of uh, law that was written where they couldn't go in, you know, medical things like that couldn't be done in a bar. But what they were going to do was they were going to go out and try to get all the young college people who are going to the bars or the, the, the adults that are going to the bars. And they said, we're going to give you a shot for a shot. In other words, we're going to give you an uh, an adult beverage so to 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 take the uh, to take our Russian roulette gun and put it to your head uh, so that you get the jab because we got to get those numbers up because the illegitimate president said we got to have so many and I don't think Bradley has said this too. I don't think they have the numbers they're telling us they have of people who's been injected. I just I don't buy it. I see enough people saying I hope you're right. Yeah, that this this isn't going on. And I think that's why they've resulted to, you know, you can get your lottery to win a million dollars. We had this bartender um, he was a sodomite. He was he he mocked people who didn't take the vaccine or who was concerned about that. He mocked them. He went and got his vaccine, and then he was dead. He was dead like that. But he got enrolled in the lottery to win a million dollars. It's not doing him any good where he is right now, though. I can tell you that. Right. That's the and and you know uh, talk about the ultimate coercion. So in uh, in the military, they're now threatening people uh, with Article Fifteen, basically. Um, it's the lower level court martial for not taking for refusing the vaccine. And that's totally illegal by the Code of Federal Regulations, because after the anthrax de- vaccine debacle in Desert Storm, where we found that one batch of the anthrax that had squalene as its adjuvant uh, gave people Gulf War syndrome, they, they added a portion to the Code of Regulations that said you cannot experiment on our military with experimental drugs, you know, with unapproved drugs against their will they have to it has to be voluntary and that means voluntary means you can say no without repercussions and you cannot be coerced by saying well if you don't take it yeah you can stay in but you can't deploy which means essentially you're going to be you know the first person not to be promoted not to be uh and to be riffed out so that's coercion comes in all sorts but that's what that's what they're doing in the military so again why why are they so when we talk about what's the big picture here why does it have to be done so quickly why do they have to get so many people involved if the vaccine works take it now you know you can say well they know something else is coming and this may actually save them from that um i'm not really buying that because at the same time that they're giving us that we're forcing this on us and giving us opportunities to buy the lottery or donut to coerce us to get this they're also not treating us appropriately. If they were, if they really wanted us to be protected, there's something about hydroxychloroquine that makes it very special beyond this treatment, but they really hate that drug. They, they, they're, you know, and uh, there's ivermectin, there's all these sorts of things. There's probably lots of things out there that actually could protect us that actually work in different ways than we've ever appreciated. So the, the other side of me says, when we win, I do think eventually good wins. I, I really don't think we're going down completely, but I think we got, as they would say in the Navy, you know, stand by for heavy rolls because this <laughs> is, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And the, um, you know, this, this stuff, I think ultimately we're, we've learned so much. I mean, the biology that we actually know is so much more than they taught us in medical school. Mm. And now we're finding things that really are important about your health that we didn't know before. So we're going to come out of this better. People can be really much healthier than they are now. We've been lied to not just about this, but about the nature of our reality and nature of our 
health, of our physics, of our biology. There's so many lies out there. Yeah. And but well, that's but let, if you wanted to take down our nation, what would you do first? Like you just said, you'd soften up the social. You do, and this is the you know the, the Russians talked about it. The communists brought, talked about the China. Yep. You soften us up socially. You damage us economically. We're under cyber t- security attacks. They're looking at, they're probing our electrical grid. Come on now. All these things are happening at once. The next thing you would do is try and soften up our military, take down as many as you can without having to come across the border. And then that's the last part. You know, ultimately, it's boots on the ground. I don't care what kind of uncharacteristic warfare you fight. At the end game, you need to occupy land. Yeah. Well, he, let me let me let me throw in these two things here because uh, there's they're stuff that you're hitting on. One is, uh, you know, we had Dr. Andreas Calker, and I don't know if you if I sent you the interview that I did with him, but uh, he's out of Switzerland. He's been working with uh, chlorine dioxide, and chlorine dioxide is is not a drug; it's a natural compound. They use it in the water treatment and stuff like this. Anyway, it kills off any viruses, bacteria, any of the stuff that's bad for you. It, you can even ingest it, and it kills off all the back, bad pathogens and leaves the good stuff in there. It's a, it's a pretty incredible thing because it oxygenize it brings oxygen to all the cells. And he's treated people with cancer, with the alleged COVID, with you know all kinds of things. He even did a. They even put together a scientific study. They just released it a couple of weeks ago, and I'll send that to you because this thing has no side effects. And when I asked him, "Is there anybody you haven't been able to help with this?" They've been treating kids with autism and seeing tremendous results with that. Is there been anybody you can't help with this? And he said. The fearful and the ignorant. That's the only people we can't help with it. But everybody else we can help. Staph infections, topical stuff. It's a pretty incredible thing. And it's pennies. I mean, it's 50 bucks. And you can like, if you're you're single, you could treat yourself probably for like a year preventatively for it. Or, you know, if you get sick. The second thing is we keep talking about it being experimental. And then the force of it being used, if it's not experimental. What happens in a year and a half? When this comes up, or if you know if they're they're violating the rules now and everything, but they come to the unconstitutional FDA, and I think they're I think they're a, a, a an agency that is not authorized in the Constitution, just like the CDC, the NIH, any of that stuff is not authorized in there. That's not government. Government's place is not science and health. It's not. <laughs> they can't even do what we gave them to do. Uh, the the small amount of things to do. What happens when that comes up and they all of a sudden get FDA approval? See, here's the thing. I think it is that the person has been given their body by God. And in the Fourth Amendment, we're told that people are to be uh, secure in their persons, among other things. They're to be secure in their persons from illegal searches. Well, some people have used the argument that those of us who actually believe that uh, a baby growing inside a woman's belly, the woman doesn't have a right to cut off another life. She can do with her body what she's going to do she's that's her jurisdiction but she cannot do that to the body of another that's within her because that's a life god gave what do you do when the fda approves these things what's going to be the um the 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 thing that people do is to say no i'm not taking i don't care if you've approved of it this stuff has stuff that's not conducive to my health no vaccine's ever been proven to be safe and effective none of them have i mean that's what dr sherry tenpenny has said and she says she can back all that up and i tend to agree with that a lot of this has to do with how we're taking care of our bodies and first what are people going to do when this gets pushed through approval, because from what I understand, at least one of the companies, I want to say it was Pfizer, it may have been Moderna, but I'm thinking it's Pfizer, had already pushed to try to 
move up that uh, that date for their approval on their Depop shot there? Well, the bottom line on that is that if you don't own your own body, if you don't have control over what gets injected in your body, then you're a slave. It's that simple. That's right. So, you know, I completely agree with you. That's That can never and, – and I kind of – now, having said that, and I think and I think that there's going to be so much damage that it's going to be obvious. You know, this is like a big avalanche just rolling down the hill. And it's just at the top of the mountain here, maybe getting a little bit. It's a little bit more than the snowball stage. We can see it up there now from the base, but we don't have an appreciation of how big the avalanche is going to be yet. But I think it's going to be huge. And I think in, that's what I tell people in medicine where the hospital is trying to force them to get vaccinated. I said, just stall, 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 because trust me, by three months from now, this is going to be so overwhelming. Yep. They simply cannot hide it. It's yep. just going to be the 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 eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. You can't hide him. Okay, and that and that will happen. And then when that when that happens, it's going to be if it, well, the only way then the FDA is going to be approve, able to approve it then is if everybody just stays home and lets them literally take over our country, because that's you know that's just not. I mean, what has happened in the past when they've tried to to to, to push things through against public, uh, if if the public hue and cry was loud enough, they could make an effect. And yeah. this one, everybody's got to go with you know, um, to, if it means we got to go stand in the street outside the FDA and 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 look fairly threatening, it's not a bad idea. I'm not suggesting violence, but they need to they need to see like the Brits in England where they're filling the streets with people. Amen. They've never seen that at the FDA, and that might cause a few of these uh, regulators to, to get a little cold feet. You know, it's it's a it's a bad thing and we can't let them do this to us. But mandates are never the problem with mandates is that they've convinced people it's not for you but you have a duty to do it for your fellow man. Yeah. You know, like the mask, the mask, my mask protects you. Yours mask protects me, which is a total lie, but it makes it sound that you're being selfish. If you don't wear a mask, cause you're not protecting your neighbor. That's not, you can't use that as an argument for this because that has not been shown to be true. The, the fact here is that the, the, you know, we have so, so much information that does not go along with a, with a, with a disease that spreads like that. You know, many families where one person gets it, nobody else does, or one person is spared and the other people get it. I mean, it's not clear that that's true. And so you have to, you have to reject that argument. The problem is we have a, a Supreme Court ruling in, what, 1905. And the Supreme Court ruled where you could forcibly vaccinate people and now the guy was able to pay a fee. He didn't. He didn't want to pay the the, the the five dollar fee or something for not being vaccinated against smallpox. There was a smallpox outbreak. He didn't take the vaccine. They were going to fine him five dollars. He took it to court and went all the way to the Supreme Court. Now Oliver, no no lesser light than Oliver Wendell Holmes, adjudicated this, and his argument was this. And this is what people when people only quote the first part that Oliver Wendell Holmes said it was okay to, to mandate vaccines. They didn't. They don't tell you what it was based on. What it was based on is his argument was this: if we if we can if we can uh, uh, legally agree that forced vac- that forced sterilization is legal, if forced sterilization is legal, then this should be legal. And they had already made forced sterilization of whom they called the idiots legal. Now yeah. we would reject that today. 
Yeah, you know, well, well we, uh, we are reject. You know, people are appalled that we in the 1990s even were an involuntarily sterilizing Native American women mm-hmm. that we thought had were were not shouldn't have babies. You know, and the doctors were doing it on the reservations without telling the woman that they were been sterilized. How horrible is that? But nonetheless, we we had we had agreed that that was legal by Supreme Court. If you believe the Supreme Court has the ultimate say, which it doesn't. Yeah, that's right. So now, now we now we think that it's man. They can say something about mandates, but that's the basis. So let's just keep in mind what this is really all about. And yeah. and one of the things we didn't touch on, by the way, was what we know now about the sterilizing characteristics potentially of this vax of these vaccines. You know, the the animal veterinary medicine since the time of the Kuomintang, the Japanese army in northern Manchuria in World War II. They couched their bioweapons program as a veterinary research plan program, okay? And that's been used forever for an, an excuse to do bioweapons research. So when I see this stuff in Australia where they, they got rid of the mice by giving them these immunogenic contraceptives that were self-disseminating, I mean, just think of those terms. Again, it's a genetic, quote, vaccine that sterilizes the mice by damaging their ovaries and then sheds onto other mice and damages their ovaries. And it passes several passes down in the population. That's the way these things work. What do we know about this vaccine? Well, the Japanese wouldn't accept the Pfizer vaccine before they had a pharmacokinetic study done, which is a study that shows how the vaccine goes out into your system. And guess where it accumulated more than any place else in the body? The ovaries, 65 times more in the ovaries than in skeletal muscle. So something's afoot here. Something is not right. Something's is you know off in Denmark or whatever they say. So the 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 that's that's been shown, and so it it accumulates in the ovaries and it appears to shed on other people. That sounds a lot to me like the mice study. Yep, it sure does. You know? It sure does. And Shirley, uh, or excuse me, Shirlene in the chat says is the single dose vax as toxic as the two dose Moderna. All of them are toxic. All of them are toxic. All of them are toxic. That's the, that's the real problem. In fact, when yeah. you get into even the, the actual vaccines of the past, they have a certain toxicity in them based on what they put in it. And, and as, uh, you know, as we've heard over and over and over, there's nothing in any vaccine that's being created that's conducive to health. It's, it's not, not – that even, even when we read Dr. Merritt, even when we read what they try to do, they say they try to get an immune response. Well, by doing that, how do you get it? Well, you're, you're going to make the body sick to some extent so the immune system kicks in, right? I mean that's what they're really right. telling us. Well, they, they create the pathogen – and the pathogen, so so the, the Johnson & Johnson is a DNA vaccine, one shot, okay? But it injects foreign synthetic DNA into you. The, the Moderna and the Pfizer are RNA vaccines. They inject foreign RNA, synthetic RNA into you. And, the, and the, in both cases, they produce a protein through the process of um, using your own, you know, biology. And they co-opt your biology like a virus. It causes you to produce a protein, and it, that protein is the spike protein, or at least the S1 subunit of the spike protein. So it is the very thing that gave people COVID. Now, one of the problems we're seeing is that people with a vaccine are still dying of COVID. In fact, in Israel, they were dying more of COVID if they had the vaccine than if they didn't have the yep, vaccine. that's right. So what's happening here is they're giving you, you know, if, if you get this, let's say it is a contact pathogen or it's airborne. We don't care how, we don't care about the, the biologic theory right now. Here's just the practice. 
it comes in through your mucous membranes. And it has, to, it has to attach. There's a time period where it has to attach and sit there and slowly work its way into the body. Now, that's why some people, like children whose immune system are so strong, they can clear the virus or the, they can clear the pathogen at that point because they mobilize their immune system like gangbusters. It goes out, it finds it in your nose and your upper airways, and it eliminates it so it never gets into your lung. Now, the problem is if you're an older person, you're not as efficient with your immune system. So it still might get past that initial in assault, but you, it's still, you've had a chance to mobilize some of your immune system toward it. It's not a complete surprise attack. So this is like when it gets into your nose, it's like us going onto the beaches of Normandy where the, German, the Germans had, didn't have a perfect response, but they were able to slow us down, you know, so we didn't, it wasn't just a walk on into, into Berlin, right? Well, this is okay. Now we're giving you an injection into your arm that goes everywhere because they've designed the adjuvant that's called Matrix M that, that's the lipoprotein coat around the DNA RNA that now go into your whole body, every part of your body, and start making the actual pathogen of COVID, the spike protein. So if you're young, you could still mobilize your troops enough to fight that off and it goes away. If you're old, you can be overwhelmed by it before you can even start getting the, 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 your immune system going. And that's why people are dying. So it doesn't protect you. Now, I got to say something about the Delta variant. I think that's just made up crap. I do too. I do too. I don't think, you know, so you don't need a Delta variant when you say, oh, it, cer- it turns out that six out of seven people that, that died from the Delta variant had been vaccinated. They just don't want you to know it's the vaccine killing people. So they had to come up that's with this. That's right. This, this bizarre Delta variant. Now that doesn't mean there aren't, it's interesting that they're using that term because they use the terms alpha, beta, you know, and Delta and things sure. to describe slight genetic variations in viruses. When they look at the genetic, when they try and map out how viruses have spread through a population. And it could be that there's some Delta coronavirus out there that they could tag and say, Oh, see, there it is. But you don't, this isn't the virus. Okay. You're not, it has nothing to do with this. And, and the idea that you're being, that viruses, I, this is one more, I mean, I have a hard time uh, arguing with Luke Montagnier, who's a real expert here, but I have to say, I don't buy the idea that the Delta variant has been produced through vaccine pressure, meaning we've selected out for it because we've taken care of these other ones. Only the Delta can get through. That implies that the vaccine was actually effective against transmission, which they know it is not. Hmm. It's less than 1% effective against transmission by their own studies, by the Pfizer study. So I don't believe that can possibly happen. I think this is, you know, I raised the BS flag about, about this, kind of like I did when I heard about the pangolin. I said, that, that's, that animal is not the source of this <laughs> outbreak. It's too ugly <laughs> to even exist. But, but, but this one is, it's just a made-up thing in order to explain the deaths. They do not want you to know that people are dying of the vaccine. Now, Luc Montagnier did say one thing. He said he thinks, uh, and, and this goes back to the question that was just asked about what's the difference between the single shot and the double shot, or the, either of them safer. You know, he says everybody that takes this is going to be dead in three years. That's what Luc Montagnier says. Nobel laureate, you know, yep. discovered stuff about HIV. That's what he got his Nobel Prize for. So this guy knows about viruses, theoretically. Okay. But here's another thing that he, here's another part of his research, and I have a feeling this is why he's saying what he's saying. He showed that if you get DNA and you put it next, you know, a strand of DNA here, I guess, and a strand of DNA in a separate beaker, 
they can literally talk to each other and they can, you know, it's kind of like, I think of it as like women that start living together have menstrual cycles in, in tandem at the same time because somehow their bodies are sending off pheromones or whatever it is, the signal that they start menstruating at the same time of the month. Well, it turns out that DNA somehow talks to itself. Now you're getting, and, and it only happens by the way, <clears throat> it only happens if it's in a specific frequency field. So what Dr. Montagnier did is he, he bathed the, the DNA in the Schumann resonance, 7.83 Hertz of the earth. And then the DNA would talk to each other. So what, and talk is my term, but you know, it would communicate somehow. <clears throat> so you're getting a synthetic DNA shot into you and it's going to, it's going to affect your DNA. That's the problem with these things. We don't completely know how, but the RNA, the DNA, it's going to, it's going to affect the D, your native DNA. As, as Judy Mikovits said, the RNA is a potent epigenetic controller of DNA. So what it could be doing is they, and, and, oh, and by the way, we know what's happening because that's how they damp down your innate immune system to allow you to accept the DNA they're giving you. They had to turn off part of your immune system for you to accept this. And that means whatever this genetic stuff is that they're giving you, which we don't know completely because nobody else has independently sequenced it, whatever they're giving you is feeding into your DNA and giving it instructions. If you don't believe that, go back and look at the research because they, they talk about this. Dr. Merritt, when you're saying that about the, the DNA communicating with each other like that, it reminds me of what occurs in the creation anyway. We have a, a small little vineyard out here beside our house. And, you know, they told us, they said, well, you've got to have uh, a couple of these different grape plants or they won't grow right because of some kind of a cross-pollination, which to me sounds very much like what you're talking about there uh, with with what's going on with DNA. At least that's what comes to mind uh, in, in what you were you were speaking about just now. I don't know if it has any any correlation, but it seems like they have to. They there has to be like two of these grapevines to to pollinate to to grow and, and things. I don't know exactly. Somebody had told me about it, and it sounds exactly like what you just well, said about the DNA. Yeah, that, that we that we can explain. I mean, we know that about cherry trees and lots of things yeah. that you have to cross pollinate in order to get fruit. The issue here is though, is that they're giving you something that's not natural. And so, again, this is, it's, you know, I, I used to say, no, this isn't going to make you a GMO human. I thought that was nonsense at first. But essentially what you're talking about is, you know, that's the problem with the GMO fields being next to non-GMO fields of yep. corn yep. things. That it, it, it creates, it gets into the natural product and it changes it forever. And, and that's why we have these big seed banks in Norway where, I think it's in Norway, where they're they're collecting every possible seed of everything we know exists naturally on the earth to preserve it so that we never have the problem where something these GMO things take us all over and we can't grow anything. Well, we've we've got a we've got a I think one of the largest is down in Antarctica as as a matter of fact they have a, a huge uh seed base down there that they that they've got uh, seeds contained in as well. So and and I'm aware of that and we we had an article I'll put this in the link because you're making mention of so many things that we've covered but the parallels between the GMO covid vaccine and the GMO crops you're hitting on and it seems like the people haven't learned their lesson and you know I had a guest on I can't remember the the, uh, the guy's name 
But, oh, I know who it was. It was Del Bigtree. He was on, and he was talking about when we go back to the Garden of Eden, and God says, you're not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God had told them what was good. He told them what was bad, which was don't eat of that tree, uh, but you can have everything else. And and Dell's you know, thoughts were, the reason is, is because man can't handle the kind of knowledge we're, we're, being, in, we're being inundated with now, much less uh, the knowledge that goes on the on the scale of of the creator but even even when we're talking about this a lot of it is saying well we know certain things about this but boy we don't have a clue as to how this works and then on top of that as we were talking about before the show you were talking about the the stuff i called the frankenscience and them trying to create literally monsters we've heard the stories about quote-unquote super soldiers i don't know what that's about it sounds to me like an x-file thing but i understand what they're trying to do is enhance man so that he is more um less vulnerable he is he is more of a warrior uh, that can be used in battle and things of this nature maybe heightened senses strength and all these kinds of things and i'm sure you probably could do that with enough modification of of dna and genes and things of this nature but it's just incredible to me that we have so much knowledge to do good with it, and yet, what are we seeing? It's being used to kill humanity. It's being used to maim humanity. It's being used for profit. It's being used for control rather than that, that which is good. Well, what you brought up, the super soldier. So let's talk a little bit about Charles Lieber at Harvard. I don't remember if we've okay. ever talked about him. No, we haven't. Show. We haven't. Okay. Well, in February of 2020, they arrested Charles Lieber, and... The and, and he was indicted for this. Okay, he was, uh, and I started watching him because I think he's key to what's going on here. So Charles Lieber was indicted for um, the fact that he had been given fifteen million dollars from the DOD. He was the chief of bio of, of, bio, of chemistry and biochemistry at Harvard, and he had been given fifteen million dollars research grants for the D, from the DOD and and you know Department of Defense, essentially DARPA, the dark arts of, of the military. They don't fund a chemist because he makes coffee taste better. That's what I usually say. You know, I mean, he's, he, he was involved in highly technical, uh, top secret research for the DOD. And at the same time, it turned out they claimed they didn't know, and that's why he was indicted, that he was working for the Chinese Communist Party. He was working for China, and he was going back and forth to Wuhan, setting up a lab. He was given 50000 a month. Uh, salary, uh, 158,000 uh, incidental expenses during the year, and 1.5 million dollar grant to go back and forth and set up this lab in Wuhan. In, 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 uh, in Wuhan. Now, what is his specialty? Well, this is this is. I mean, this isn't made up. This is you can find this on the Harvard Gazette. I mean, it's big. It's it's known to everybody. He's he's a darling of Harvard for his nanotechnology. Now, Dr. Lieber invented apparently uh, something something to do with these silver impregnated nanogels that the fact checkers say don't exist, by the way. I just saw that. And the, you know, when they come, they all come out and say, no, 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 false, 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 false. Same word, same word, same word, same story, same story, same story. That's an intelligence program. But anyway, so the, he invented um, um, silver impregnated nanogels and what's called nanowire, which is not wire. It's made out of this gel stuff. It's not rejected by the body. It can go into the body and it can, uh, uh, it's very, very tiny. It can be injected through a tiny syringe, and then it can self-organize itself into what they call nanomesh. And this can wrap around nerves. Now, they claim that they can use this for Parkinson's patients maybe to help them 
that it can you you can inject this stuff and it will go out and it will line the nervous system and then allow you to control the tremors or whatever in Parkinson's. So uh, and then they also injected into this very tiny. They injected into the eyes of rabbits and they showed that it could could wrap around the retinal nerves. So and we could kind of spy on the nervous system of the rabbit. So it's a two way communication to an outside uh, computer essentially. Now, so what happened here is. I started looking at Charles Lieber and I said, oh, by the way, and the reason for one of the things, the reason he was working for DARPA, DARPA wanted from the 1980s, they really wanted to connect biologic tissue to electronics, but couldn't pull it off. But this nanogel stuff that he created apparently allows you to run current through biologic cells. And it also allows this transfection of these DNA and RNA agents. They depend on this stuff to allow them to drive this stuff into the cell and do their deed. So he's involved in all this. Well, I said to myself, I'm going to watch Charles Lieber because if, if they put him in jail and throw away the key, then I'll feel better that we are not involved about this. Because, you know, and, and what, what his, the issue is, I mean, it, when you get rid of all the, the fancy language about his research and what he was doing going back for setting up a lab, he was paid by the communist Chinese. He transferred national security, high-level national security technology to them of brain electronic interface. That's where this goes, brain electronic interface. That's what they, and the Chinese uh, have said for decades, that's what they're going to put their money into their research for military into, rather than a bunch of super weapons, because they think this is a better use of their money and, and a highly, highly uh, leverageable technology. So he gave them uh, he transferred high, high technology to them to facilitate their national security interest at the expense of ours. So that, in less polite circles, would be called, called treason. So let's see what happens to Charles Lieber. Well, guess what he was tried with, or just what he was actually in, indicted for? It was the Martha Stewart uh, charge, lying to a federal officer, which won't get you much <laughs> oh, time. Goodness. Maybe not. Yeah. So, and, and in addition... He was actually covered for by the FBI, who claimed that what his what he was giving to the Chinese was nanowire technology for lithium batteries and electric cars, none of which ever show up in his in his patents or it's, it's over 74 patents and over 200 articles. So, again, that makes me feel like this is this is not a nation's. We don't want to don't point. I don't want people pointing their fingers at China or pointing the fingers at us. It's not our nation. It's not the Chinese nation. It's, this is a, a cabal, some kind of group. We can argue who they are, but um, you know, it's, it's the, it's the, they're controllers of this world that live in the shadows that have the ability now to take on nation states. 150 men uh, presumably control 60 to 70% of the corporate wealth of the world. That was a study done in 2011 by Gladfelter et al. in Switzerland and, and, and then expanded on by Forbes and some other researchers on Wall Street. <clears throat> but essentially, a very small number of people in, contain, you know, are in charge of a lot of the world. <clears throat> and, and if you don't think they can act like controllers, I think we're fooling ourselves. But well, it that's true. One, even one person now, like George Soros, one person using these type of weapons, funding the right things, could take it down a nation state. Yeah. Well, and I think that's part of that's part of the problem. Now, here at the Sons of Liberty, we say, yeah, these guys are using their money. The Rockefellers uh, are, are are key here. The Soroses, the uh, um, those who fund things like the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation. We had uh, G. Edward Griffin come on and talk about the tax exempt foundations 
and what Norman Dodd had discovered when the, the Congress sent him to investigate these. And he went to the Carnegie Foundation, and they basically opened up all their books, and they said, we're here to promote communism at the, at the, at the behest of the U.S. president. I mean, that's what they told him. He was blown away. His, uh, the, the lady who was sent in to be his sort of secretary, who was going to record all this stuff, she was supposed to poo-poo, you know, his work, so to speak. And, and during, you know, the, the dictation and all the stuff that she was transcribing, she became physically ill because of what she was reading that they were going to do. And this is, this is decades ago that this went on. So I'm not surprised to see this coming about. But at the Sons of Liberty, we're saying, look, we're only controlled if we buy into what they're what they're selling us, what they're shoveling. If you can't smell what they're shoveling, you're buying into it and you are being controlled. But the Bible tells us, and again, we come back to a biblical worldview, the Bible tells us that we're to submit ourselves to God. We're to draw near to God. He'll draw near to us. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, all of these kinds of things. Our control uh, is is to be under the control of King Jesus. It's not to be under the control of these wicked men. It's not to be under the control of the demonic forces or of Satan. They're our enemy. Um, they we're fighting against you know spiritual forces and 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 wickedness in dark places. So or in high places, excuse me. And so you know we take a obviously the view of why we resist these things, why we oppose them, why we attack them, if you will. And uh, and that is that is so that we can win the day because we're not doom and gloom. I'm certainly not doom and gloom, no. and I well, don't think that you are because you come at it of exposing the evil, which is what Ephesians five eleven tells us to do. And and I do think there's a point uh, that it, I think there's it all fits together because some for some reason they have to have our buy in. In other words, I don't see them dragging us out of the house to vaccinate us. You have to consent to it. You know, they make a big deal. The people that are pulling this, and, and it's interesting that, yeah, we know the names Gates and Soros and Rockefeller, but who's above them? Who are those 150 people? Yeah. I think we really, that's a, one thing that needs to be exposed. Who are those 150 people that own the corporate wealth? Because those names need to get out. It's usually the unnamed people that are the most dangerous. But who's that's ever right. doing this? We can, we can agree we don't completely know the whole control mechanism. Um, the, the fact is, that it seems to be that they have to get your assent. Now, one of the things, though, in the occult anyway, that I've learned, is that if you agree to something, even if you've been attracted to it, that you have assented, you know, you've given their consent. And, and right. one of the things that bothered me was how willing people were to wear the mask, when the mask is a clear symbol of occult um, submission. You know, it means I will be quiet, I will obey, and I will transform myself. In the history of the world, in religious occult practices, transformation, and you're, 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 com you're commanded in the Bible not to cover, you know, not to, not to wear a mask like that. I mean, that's, that's it's anti, it's, it's, it, it, you're supposed to put on the face of God. You're not supposed to put on the face of the devil. And I'm going to say, you know, I think it was Charles Dickens that said that people people wouldn't recognize the devil even if he was choking you in the street. I, I agree. I agree. And that's the problem here is that we don't recognize how how ultimately evil this whole thing is, and that people that so I'm 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 over I'm over giving in to people that say, well, I know the masks don't work. I know it's it's crap science, but I just do it because I don't want to you know make people uncomfortable around me or or or, or I don't want to be confrontational. You know, I tell them, listen, when you realize this is a war against your children and this is one of the arms of war, 
you'll not wear that mask. Amen. And Amen. that's the problem here. So I think the other thing is when people say, well, they're not going to mandate me to take that vaccine. I don't believe in mandates. I want to say, where were you when they mandated your children to take a mumps vaccine? Yeah. I, mean, I heard a doctor say we should never mandate vaccines for we never should vaccinate people for for diseases that aren't deadly. How many people died of mumps? Yeah. OK, 85 percent of the people become <laughs> adults in the old days. That's right. Having immunity to mumps and never having known they had the disease. And yet we had agreed to vaccinate our children. We gave them assent. And that's my point is that's that's where we stepped off this cliff. And, you know, uh, and my final point on this, if you look at the history, this has been going on for a very, very long time. After World War II, we remember Project Paperclip. Right. And Project Paperclip is where we went in to get scientists from the Germans and bring them to the Western countries like Britain and us. And the Russians did the same thing on their side. But we called it Project Paperclip. And if you look it up in Wikipedia or almost any any publication that talks about Project Paperclip, it shows you the same picture. It's a picture of Baron von Braun standing there in a nice suit like this. And behind him are all these engineers from the rocket. They're the rocket propulsion guys, okay? Because they want you, the narrative they want you to believe is, oh, Project Paperclip, our goal after World War II was to build NASA and to, to, to go for the moon and things like that. And we wanted the missile rocketeers. That's why we went in. And the nuclear scientists, okay, maybe. But really, you know who they were instructed to go after? It was chemists and specifically vaccine chemists. Okay. Otto wow. Ambrose was one of the seven, or maybe there were more than that, chemists that were tried and found guilty at Nuremberg of crimes against humanity. Most of those guys, maybe there were 20 of them. I think there were maybe 20 of them that went to jail. But these were the guys from IG Farben, and, 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 which was the biggest chemical conglomerate in the world before World War II and who funded Hitler. And they were the guys that were running the Buna plant for artificial rubber in Auschwitz and other things. So, so Otto Ambrose was one of these guys. He was a, he was a chief chemist for IG Farben. And so he was tried and convicted, and he was sentenced to seven or eight years in jail. After that time, guess where he went? He t- he went to he went to pharmace- to, uh, to advise pharmaceutical companies in Britain, and it, he actually brought with him his own invention, which was thalidomide. And thalidomide turned out to be a huge disaster, causing all these birth defects in in children. And uh, but he was he he had developed that in Auschwitz or or, or someplace wherever he was. Right. Well, when you're making when you're making mention of uh, Operation Paperclip, uh, don't forget. You know, I'm reading uh, my friend Steve uh, Quayle's book, Empire Beneath the Ice: How the Nazis Won, won World War II, and um, you know, he also covers the the Operation uh, High Jump, which a lot of people are unfamiliar right. with. And that's, I mean, it looked like they sent uh, what was the guy's name, Admiral Richard Byrd. Admiral Byrd. Yeah, they. It seemed like they sent really. Almost an, a, a military force down into Antarctica as though they were going Not to almost. wipe out. It was a military yeah. force. They claimed yeah. it was a geologic expedition, yeah. but they sent, they sent military ships. I mean, it was a flotilla. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I think that's the thing. We've gotten our minds, you know, Nazis, this, that, and the other, and all these other things. It was kind of interesting. I, I was going to look it up. There was a meme that was up of John F. Kennedy, and he says basically when when we were doing this uh, kind of thing there with uh, with um, uh, Hitler, he says I began to see Hitler as more of a I think he said a great man than a monster, and I don't think anybody's ever I don't think many people have heard those words from John F. Kennedy, but I believe it was some post war kind of stuff that he had written. 
But yeah, all of that stuff didn't go away. And we've been deluded into thinking it did when it really just transferred locations. We only hung, what, 10 guys or 13 guys at Nuremberg. And uh, yeah, and I mean, we it was it was nothing compared to the 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 the, especially in the medical industry. Again, uh, Kate has been on to talk about that, that they were hugely involved in what took place over there. And yet. So many of them, like what you said, the scientists, the doctor, all this, they were brought over to America. They were sent down into South America uh, and some probably into Antarctica as well. And so we're still left with the vestiges of that. They're still doing things against, I mean, the more that I hear from people like yourself who've been educated in those fields, the more I'm sitting here going, boy, you know, God really gave us some simple things to take care of ourselves. And when he did, he not only gave it morally, he talked about what, how we take care of our bodies. And he, he, he ends his, you know, commands here. He says, today I set before you life and death, choose life, choose life. And, and yet man thinks he's got a better way of doing it than God. And we come up with all of this Frankenscience that, that pops out, which ends up in destruction instead of life. And I think that's really where we've gone in all of this. Dr. Merritt, you've, you've been so kind to give us not only an early morning, but almost two hours here. I'm so grateful for you uh, spending your time and educating. Some of the people said, uh, one of the lady in the chat room, she said, I watch all of Dr. Merritt's videos and she's dumping information here that she hasn't shared anywhere else. So we're very appreciative of you doing that. I want to give you a, a, a final word and then tell us, uh, tell the people where they can find out more about you. Well, I, I, I think we've covered it pretty much, uh, much everything, although I think what we, what we need to wake up to here in the ultimate big picture is that our history has been distorted so we don't understand things. And we have to, we have to start questioning everything. I would say do not trust anything. We have been controlled. We do live in an information matrix, and that's at the very root of this thing that has allowed this to come about. And the second thing that's allowed this to come about and has caused the doctors to be absent from the fight here is government-run health care. And I'm, I'm a past president of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and we've been fighting for private practice since 1943. The point being that none of this would have happened had we had independent practice. What, what hurted all the doctors 60 to 70 percent of physicians were in private practice before Obamacare, and now everybody works for hospitals. So when the hospitals say be quiet, they're quiet. That's that's what you know. Bad things happen, but it but usually it can be stopped by good people speaking out, and they've managed to silence us. Uh, the doctors need to get out of that and just take their lives back because um, God will not hold you blameless, as, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says. But anyway, yeah. I'm on uh, themedicalrebel.com. It's three three words, themedicalrebel.com. And I try and put latest videos up and information. And I have I do have on my site on the big red button there, push the big red button, and you'll get information on how to deal with mandates at work, um, there's one on vaccine remorse and shedding protection, what supplements you need, and uh, and then where else to go for, for help. So, Okay. All right, Dr. Merritt, we appreciate you. I'm going to send you the link here for uh, Dr. Andreas Calker and his study on chlorine dioxide. Okay. I think you'll be fascinated because there's no adverse effects at all ever, that they recorded at all. And I think you'll, you'll be uh, interested in, in checking that out and maybe even promoting uh, the use of it because there's there's – 
tons of people who've been who've treated themselves and have uh, taken care of all kinds of things from you know just a staph infection to a skin uh, issue to the alleged covid to the uh, to, to cancer. I mean, they, they've just been treating a lot of people with it. I'm going to send that to you a little bit. If you'll hang on, I'll say goodbye to you after I, I close out the show here. Guys, uh, don't don't forget, Bradley comes on sonsoflibertymedia.com, 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. We'll be back with you again tomorrow, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimrani. And just let me let you in on something. Kate is going to be sharing some stuff that I don't know any other way to say it. I don't want to give it away. I want her to tell it, but she's been telling me about it. You guys know that because she spoke out at those events, they arrested her. They were thinking of charging her with domestic terrorists for just terrorism, for just speaking the truth about vaccines and what was going on and pointing to the information, which could have landed her in jail for five years. They're still battling that in the courts. Now they've come up with something else that, it's really disturbing. It's it. I can't, I can't even tell you how disturbing it is, and it it's going to shock you because you will never see this coming. You really won't see what's coming. What they're trying to do to her, and uh, it could literally put her out of business, ostracize her from even the people that like her, and she hasn't done anything but speak the truth. So be with us tomorrow, Lord willing, eight a.m. Eastern time. And uh, Kate will tell you all about that. Till then, see you.